And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Well, in response to automakers announcing the elimination of AM radio in select vehicles, the National Association of Farm Broadcasting is taking steps to keep AM radio in the dashboard. NAFB has spoken with the Federal Communications Commission and Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, as well as sent letters to leadership of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees. NAFB President Joe Gill says the focus right now is on educating others about the issue. There's a lot of folks right now who are unaware of this issue. So educating our cohorts in the industry and also legislative leaders, because there is no legislation on the books regarding this issue. There is nothing to mandate this to be a item in vehicles. Ford Motor Company will not include AM radios in most of its new 2024 vehicles, but will keep AM radio in commercial vehicles. Meanwhile, other companies like Tesla have already removed AM radio from their electric vehicles. Gill says the response so far has been overwhelmingly supportive of keeping AM radio in vehicles. You can't just plug in your phone or have an app because, let's face it, rural broadband is still not accessible in some areas. And once again, it comes down to safety as well when it comes to severe weather. And a lot of legislators did support us verbally, and they want to know what they can do to try and keep AM radio in the dashboard. Gill says NAFB research shows the importance of AM radio to rural America. As you look at some of the research on how many radios actually farmers and some of those folks have in their home and the length of time that they listen and how many days a week that they listen. And for some, that is their only avenue for information. The top three things that are important to our listeners are markets and weather and local news. And to try and duplicate that in a different platform, I don't think is uh, attainable. And he encourages rural America to provide more outreach moving forward as well. I think as we move forward, we're going to be asking the listeners to maybe speak up to their local farm broadcasters, their local AM radio station, and also their leadership in Washington, D.C. as well, and tell them how important AM radio is to them. And the NAFB is partnering with the National Association of Broadcasters and the National Alliance of State Broadcasters Association, who are both also advocating for keeping AM radio in vehicles. Well, the soybean harvest in Brazil is almost finished. Dr. Michael Cordonier is an agronomist with Soybean and Corn Advisor, and he says the crop is a big one. Well, the soybeans in Brazil right now, about 95% harvested. The only state left to harvest is Rio Grande do Sul, the southernmost state in Brazil. And they should wrap it up here within the next one to two weeks. The yields are good. It's going to be a record crop. They had lots of rain up in the central part of the country. did very good. They still had some drought problems in the far southern part of the country. So that was a little bit disappointing down there. But it's ending up as a record crop. Harvesting in Argentina isn't yielding good results because of the severe drought that was seen during the growing season. Soybeans were 28% harvested and late last week, corn 18%. I left all my estimates unchanged, but I have a neutral to lower bias for both. It's a half a crop in Argentina for both corn and soybeans. And the farmers are not selling their soybeans. There are reports that the crushers in Argentina are buying beans from Brazil, which are cheaper than domestic supplies. And the farmers don't want to sell because inflation is like 105%. And they had the new soybean dollar program where they gave a preferred exchange rate if you sold your soybeans for export, but the preferred rate isn't good enough. 
Attention now turns to Brazil's second corn crop, which Cordonier says is off to a good start. It got planted a little bit later than normal because the soybeans are harvested later than normal, especially in southern Brazil. Now, it's getting drier up in central Brazil, but the corn up there is far enough along that maybe one or two more rains all it needs. And if they don't get any more rain, it might trim it a little bit. In the southern locations, it got planted late. The corn is in vegetative development right now, starting to pollinate. And the concern there is if they get a frost before maybe mid-June, it could impact the corn crop. Farmers in Brazil aren't selling a lot of soybeans right now as prices have slumped. Despite the slow sales, Cordonier says it won't delay Brazil from getting soybeans into the world market. I don't think so because they got so much of it. It's still going to be a record crop. And if they sell slower than normal, they still got lots to sell. And all the ports in Brazil are operating at full capacity. And they need to do that to move the soybeans and a record crop of corn coming on as well. And I just was writing an article about these northern ports on the Amazon River in north and in northeastern Brazil. They're doing gangbusters sales. They're just moving a lot of stuff, more so than ever before. And again, that's Dr. Michael Cordonier of Soybean and Corn Advisor. For more information, go to soybeansandcorn.com. Well, corn in a large part of the Midwest has been in the ground for a week or more. The temperatures have been cold, and that has rightly caused some angst among farmers waiting for the crop to emerge. Purdue University agronomist Bob Nielsen says we won't know for a while, but he too is concerned. Throughout at least the eastern corn belt, where the temperatures in the past couple of weeks have been certainly below optimum, uh, if not downright uh, injurious to, to the crop, Eventually, we may determine that there are a number of fields that have stand problems with either poor germination or corn leafing out underground or plants that are simply stunted because of these very unusually cool air and soil temperatures that we've had over the past week or so. But that remains to be seen as to uh, what that impact will be. Nielsen says the forecast leading forward is much more favorable in terms of temperatures. So I, I think anything that gets planted uh, you know, this week forward is certainly going to germinate and emerge much more quickly than what's been put in the ground the previous two weeks. So you know, as usual, it's a waiting game, and, and you know, we can sit here and maybe hem and haw about what the crop that's already in the ground may look like, but until we actually see it and able to walk it and, and evaluate it, it's a little hard to say for certain. And once again, Bob Nielsen is an agronomist at Purdue University. Well, also here before we ramp up today's program, new data from USDA's Economic Research Service confirms a decline in the farm Chapter 12 bankruptcy rate. In 2022, the Chapter 12 bankruptcy rate reached the lowest level in nearly two decades with a 0.78 bankruptcies per 10,000 farms. Under Chapter 12 bankruptcy, a financially distressed family farmer can propose and carry out a plan to repay their debts fully or partially. The total number of these bankruptcies is an indicator of financial stress in the farm sector. In 2003, the annual bankruptcy rate reached a high of 3.3 per 10,000 farms and then declined to a low of 0.5 per 10,000 farms in 2004. After 2010, a bankruptcy rate declined until 2014 but increased again in 2015, with another peak in 2019 at 2.9 bankruptcies per 10,000 farms. Since then, bankruptcies have declined to the lowest level in two decades after 2004. Now, Wisconsin had the highest rate at 5.66 per 10,000 farms, followed by Nebraska and Kansas. Again, that's new data from USDA's Economic Research Service.
That's all the time we have for this episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day.